Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is Kevin Phipps, uh, who's one of the great writers for ATQ, writes under the handle a little bit louder now, joining me for the first time. How you doing? You know, I can't complain. No one would listen if I did. Hmm. Uh, so I uh, joined the staff uh, at the beginning of the month. Uh, you've written about uh, soccer and volleyball. Um, one of those teams has been doing a little better than the other. Uh, let's start out uh, with bad news first. How's the soccer team doing? Um, well, the good news is they uh, they have a lot of room to grow. Um, soccer has has not done great this season they've been struggling to find their offensive footing they're currently sitting at zero and six and one with a grand total two goals on the season so a little bit of a struggle they've been away from home for most of the season right that is correct they uh they opened the season um at home if i remember correctly and yeah, against uh, baylor right up against baylor and then they've been on the road which is until... a good team like that, that they're they're a ranked team you know uh, they were. I don't think they're ranked right now, mm. but they, they opened against Baylor, and then it was off to Arkansas, which is currently sitting number 10, um, and then it was just ripping around the country. They played uh, northern Arizona uh, and then came home this past weekend, uh, came back home on Thursday to host California Baptist, and then Denver on Sunday. And now so- they're off to Boise State. <laughs> And it's like, you know, they got blanked, you know, 0 to 2 against Baylor. You know, Baylor's not a half bad team. You're right. They're not currently ranked, but like they're, you know, given how young Oregon is, right? Because I remember when we were talking about soccer last year, you know, like they, they, they were, it was a relatively veteran team and they just sort of lost everybody, you know, and it's like nothing but freshman and sophomore right now. Um, and like all things considered, given how good Baylor and Arkansas was like number 10, you know, like I actually think Oregon's goalies performance hasn't been like bad at all. Like given that Oregon's barely getting any shots on goal and, and basically they're getting like, you know, the opponent is just blasting them constantly. The fact that Oregon's only, you know, they only gave up six combined goals to Baylor and Arkansas, despite getting like blasted by like, you know, very high quality teams. And then like, you know, uh, against their last five opponents, you know, yes, not like the strongest, uh, you know, competition in the world, but given that the offense can't do anything or like hold on to the ball, like they're, you know, they're barely giving up anything. Like, should I infer from this that Oregon's new goaltender is like not bad? No, she is very good. Uh, is what I would term her currently sitting at uh, 38 saves on the season so far, which is just amazing considering she has faced, uh, 54 shots on goal. Hmm. So she, she's definitely been getting her work put in, um, by comparison, uh, Oregon only has 27 shots on goal in the entire season. So Maddie Goldberg, right? Maddie Goldberg. Yes. And you know, she's a red shirt sophomore, you know, she's, she's been in the program for a little bit. Um, But like you mentioned, that is a very, very young team. In fact, they are one of the youngest teams in the nation. Uh, 15 freshmen, 10 true freshmen, five red shirts, nine sophomores, four juniors, uh, and then no seniors, but a fifth year player. Uh, and then I think among major conference, only Pittsburgh has, uh, has more freshmen on its roster. And then in, among all conferences, uh, Jacksonville has 21 and Hampton has 18. So very, very young squad. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, I guess probably pretty obviously the freshmen have accounted for more than half of the team shots and made nearly half of their starts. So it's not just that they're young on the roster, it's young on the field. I I mean, they're getting a lot of travel, you know. <laughs> I mean that you know, they 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 went to Fayetteville, you know, they they swung back through, you know, Missouri. They they went down to the desert and then they're going back to the desert cuz they're they open up a conference play in Tucson. Um they have one more at a conference, you know, match against Boise State, uh, you know, in in Boise. Um you know, so, you know, uh, a, a lot of running around, um, 
you know, they did not, you know, other than two, you know, fairly tough at a conference matches, you know, they look, man, it was Missouri state, uh, Northern Arizona, Grand Canyon, California Baptist and Denver. Um, and, and against those five teams, they scored two goals. Like, you know, like, I don't know what to say, you know, if that's, underwhelming doesn't begin to describe it in terms of offensive performance. It's just like you, you you were really not expecting them, you know, and, and the PAC 12 women's soccer is pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a world beating gauntlet that they have to, to go through in PAC 12 play, but it's not, and no one's going to roll over for them. You know, they've, they, like you said, they open up in the desert. They do get to host Colorado and Utah um, before heading down to LA to face the LA schools, but it's, it's not going to be an easy, an easy battle. You know, those schools are going to come to play. And one thing that I, you know, I do want to point out for those, those last five games, you know, they scored two goals. Both of those goals came against Northern Arizona in a very, very uh, hotly contested game. You know, both teams really came out of the gate and, you know, it, we touched on it already that the defense is actually doing all right, considering how little they're giving up. It's just, you can only hold for so long and they really have to find an offensive footing, especially as they get into PAC 12 play, if they want to try and get back to the, to even a winning season. Cause it's a, it's going to be an uphill battle. Have you detected any like, you know, patterns? Like are they trying out you know, different players or, or, or different, you know, you've watched all these games, like, or, or have you noticed like, I don't know, different strategies or different configurations of players or anything, or. I, you know, three freshmen have started all seven games this season and they, they've just been running with that. That's Cameron Bourne, Kristen Conti and Mia McSweeney. Uh, they have, they've gotten starts all, uh, all season long and they seem to be running with that crew. They're, they seem to be ready to take their lumps and, and find their footing. I, I do see there's going to, it's been almost like a hockey game with the way they've been doing substitutions, almost full, full shifts uh, for the entire roster. Uh, it doesn't seem like I've seen a lot of personnel changes like this person versus that person, right versus left. But I, I think their big challenge is uh, is finding some offense. And again, they're young, so they, they've got to get used to the idea of moving the ball progressively down the field. I think a big part of the reason them not having a lot of shots, especially not shots on goal, is as they're trying to advance up the field, they're taking these really long, aggressive kicks, and it's just going right to the defense. Hmm. So, like, lack of pass control? Like- lack of pass control. You know, they, hmm. they've had great aggression to come out, especially uh, in their two most recent games. They've been really aggressive off the, you know, off the start and then coming in again at the end, you know, trying to, to come in clutch. And they, you know, they were a missed uh, penalty kick away from tying it up in their most recent game, but just not, not, not getting anything clicking. It, it's been a little bit of rough, rough season to watch. So uh, they, they've got, as we said, the, the Boise State game, you know, on Thursday. Um, uh, we're going to recap that one on, on Sunday. Uh, what are your sort of expectations uh, for that for, for that game? I, I want to say I, I think they're, they're coming. They're getting closer. You know, the defense is there. They've got an amazing goaltender who's been playing like her hair's on fire. Um, if they can find that offensive footing, I think that they'll be in it. Um, and that's with the one exception, you know, 0-4 dropping to Arkansas. Uh, they've been in all of their games. They've been in every match. And, you know, a couple more missed saves by the other team, a couple more, you know, errant passes. And uh, and they can get there. You know, I I... I don't want to predict this is going to be the one that turns it around, but I would, I would love to see it happen. Um, and that might be just my, you know, distaste for all things Boise state. Hmm. Uh, well, we'll hope they get it together. Uh, you know, it sounds like your opinion is that this team isn't just like 
you know, this team isn't like, you know, falling down clown show, you know, whatever that, that, that like they're actually like in these games and it's just, hey, man, they're tight and they're just not putting the shot, you know, on the goal or it's just not like connecting. But like it, at any moment they could turn the corner. Is that like, you know, a reasonable take from the games that you've watched? Yeah. And, and that's that's the thing. They've been close. You know, they're they're staying competitive. I one thing I've I really like seeing is I haven't seen them getting dawn on themselves or each other. Hmm. You know, they they're they're fighting. That's what you want in a especially in a young team. They're they're there supporting each other. You know, the Graham Abel, uh, and I apologize if I mispronounced the coach's name. Coach Abel has has got them out ready to play, and uh, he you hear him in his post game conferences. He's He's got faith in this team, and uh, I think we just need to hold out faith in him as well. And this might be a pretty rough season, but I, I do see success in their future if they can keep just putting the next step, the next step, the next step, and build on it. Uh, well, the the Boise State game is uh, 4 p.m. on Thursday. It'll be on the Mountain West Network, which I, I, I think you can live stream uh, at 4 p.m. At any rate, uh, you'll be able to, to read uh, Kevin's recap on, on Sunday. That's when we have it scheduled for, for the website. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. Uh, we'll talk about volleyball. All right. So uh, the uh, the volleyball team has been on a bit of a tear. Uh, they uh, were up until recently uh, undefeated. Uh, you um, most recently wrote about them when they went down to the uh, San Diego State uh, tournament, where they uh, they they kept their streak going. Previously, they had gone down to Hawaii uh, and they swept. You know, they just totally killed everybody in Hawaii, including the tournament hosts. You know, where they just completely shut it down. Uh, they then went down to. San San Diego, uh, uh, where they, uh, they, they again swept everybody. They, they shut down San Diego state and, uh, UC Santa Barbara, uh, and, uh, and Pepperdine. Um, they have since, uh, um, uh, they since, I think they, they split when they went to the, the big 10, right. They played Minnesota and, uh, and Penn state. And I think they, they dropped the game to, or they dropped the match to Minnesota and they beat Penn state or maybe you got that backwards. It was Ohio state. No, it Ohio. was, they dropped, they dropped uh, two, three to Minnesota, number 10 team in the nation. And mm-hmm. they, they, you know, did their usual just beating on Ohio state um, three to one. It, it was interesting. It was actually at the uh, San Diego State Invitational, which was the first time they lost us at. Um, they were they were just sweeping absolutely everyone, and then they got into a a fight with Minnesota um, that you know unfortunately didn't work out. Oh yeah, no, it was five sets against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they lost the first set, won the next two. Then, then lost the fourth set, and then they, then they, they lost the final one. Ooh, man, that was tight. Um, yeah, Badwater that wrote was that article, but yeah, uh, okay. But Sorry. then, the, yeah, you're right. They say, came back and just absolutely clobbered Ohio State. Oh my god, they killed them. I think they got mad. <laughs> yeah, and Ohio State is ranked number fifteen. It's not like that was a bad team that, like, oh, they just happened to be invited because they're part of the Big Ten, like. This is a 15th ranked team and Oregon was just like furious and they killed them. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very true. It, it, an interesting, you know, a stat from that one is uh, during the Minnesota game, um, we had one of our, our transfer players, uh, Gonzalez, came out and with her, I believe it was her 15th or 16th kill of the night, um, mm-hmm. was her 1,000th kill split between time at Ohio State and Oregon. Oh wow! So and then she, and then she proceeded to absolutely obliterate her following team. Well, going back to the uh, the San Diego State, like, I mean, any resistance at all? You you, you mentioned they dropped the set. <laughs> like, does that count? <laughs> you know, um, I it always counts. I mean, you, you you never anytime you can just absolutely come out of the gate and pound people. But if you, if you go back and you look, the sets that they drop are always close. Um, and then those sets that they win are sometimes close, but usually not. I mean, 
They it was 25-19, 25-15. They lost a set 22-25 and then came out and just blasted yeah. them 25-10. So Yeah, to the hosts, a- right? The, <laughs> the third the third set against the the hosts, the Aztecs, like 22 to 25, right? And, and like yes. and like as as I recall, like that one would like they they uh I think they had to battle back a bit too. Like I think like the the Aztecs went on a bit of a run due to some service errors and then um and, and then Oregon like fought back in it and then Aztecs sort of pulled away. Then they were like, okay, fine, whatever. And then in the fourth set, they win twenty-five to ten. They were like, were they just like playing with their food or something? Like twenty-five to ten? You know, they're like, okay, enough of this. Like fooling around. And then they go on to just like destroy UC, you know, Santa Barbara and Pepperdine and like just resume just sweeping them. You know, just like, hi, we just show up to your town and destroy you. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and they're not nice about it. They, I mean, there is just some incredible offensive firepower on this team. Uh, you know, the the way they are getting just kill after kill after kill in these matches it is terrifying. It's it is a, I think four hundred and twelve so far on the season. Just something like that. Gee, uh... it's like fourteen point seven kills per set. So yeah, more yeah. Yeah, three fifths of their points on every set. Um, the uh, uh, yeah. So then they uh, you didn't uh, write about this one. Uh, Badwater did, but it was uh, you know the 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 Minnesota match. Uh, you know was was fairly impressive. You know, number ten team in the country, and you know they still get two sets and were in a position. You know where they were leading after three sets. Um. And, uh, and, uh, and unfortunately they give it the fourth set and then they just couldn't make it happen in, in the, in the rubber match. But like, you know, they're, they're, it's not, you know, it's not like the number 10 team blew them out. You know, they're in a position to win it. Like, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how much more to say here. Like this is a really good team. Um, and, uh, they, they kind of have like, go the distance you know or at least like be in it uh you know like like deep postseason run you know written all over them um you know against lesser competition they sort of breeze through and against high quality competition you know they you know they play angry uh you know and win uh which is like yeah but that's what you know championship teams look like <laughs> that is very true. And, you know, I, I, I didn't watch a lot of Oregon volleyball prior to this season. Um, and I, I'm very sad that I've been missing out on that, but it's, it's just impressive how, how well this team is clicking, how well they're communicating, you know, uh, how aggressive they're being and just refusing. I mean, even those, even those matches that they're, that they're dropping, just, they, there is no give in this team at all they they are going to it's a if it's a dog fight they're the one you want in your corner um (laughs) i've just been really impressed with how hard they come out how hard they compete and and just get it done get after it uh, well, the next uh, uh, tournament they go to is this coming weekend. Uh, they uh, it's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, first, they play the uh, the tournament hosts, uh, University of Pittsburgh, um, and then they play James Madison um, on Friday. Uh, Pitt is ranked number eight, uh, so it should be a, you know a damn good matchup. It's on um, ACC Network Extra, which I think is in the ESPN family. I. Th- think you have to have espn plus to watch it i'm not sure um uh we'll have the recap of that on uh, monday uh, on the site um if you're not able to watch it but if you are it's on uh, four o'clock should be a hell of a match um uh on thursday uh the um what are you looking forward to in that matchup it's gonna be you know, it's, it's going to be our offense against Pittsburgh's defense. Pittsburgh, you know, plays games close. Um, they are really good at rallying to the ball. It's going to be a challenge to see if we can, 
put them away early and keep them from extending games. Cause I've noticed from some of their, some of their previous games have been longer matches with these extended rallies. Um, and you know, Oregon plays very fast, very hard. Um, so that's, that'll be the challenge is if, if Pitt can stretch these games, it will actually play to their favor. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, looking forward to the coverage, uh, of that one. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll, uh, talk about Oregon football's game against Texas tech. So, uh, the Ducks return from Lubbock, uh, victorious. Um, they appear to have, uh, no tortilla marks on them from being pelted on the opening kickoff. Um, they, uh, uh, it was an interesting game, uh, certainly, uh, a little closer than I might've predicted. I, I wrote, you know, the, uh, the preview of Texas tech and they had some surprises in store for me. What did you think about this game, Kevin? You know, I, I was watching the betting line and I was amazed that it didn't move with how hard people were hammering the, the Oregon line. Yeah. Um, just expecting us to go in and absolutely blast them. And it's short memories. You know, I looked at this and I was like, I remember Tyler Shug, you know, getting it done for Oregon, not too very long ago, you know, in some hard fought contests. And uh, this was a Texas tech team that was coming off of a, a game. They probably should have won after they went up 17 and zero on the road yeah. in Wyoming, came back and lost in double overtime. And uh, they were looking for some redemption. So I think there was a lot of a lot of arrogance coming in and we got punched in the mouth early and then we started stepping on our own toes a lot. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, we we can dive into the penalties uh, you oh, know, man. here shortly, but I, I think Texas Tech came ready to play and I think Oregon came ready to be on the field. Um, that was my interpretation of the first quarter. You know, that's the thing that's sort of like the Las Vegas, you know, aspect of it. You know, like I, I don't I mean, I did sort of, like I did predict and I did understand that. And I said it on multiple podcasts that I was on that, like Texas Tech isn't as bad as that Wyoming game made them look, you know, Um that that you know teams the, the teams are never as bad as they look in their opener they're never as good as they look in their opener you know like there's always weird stuff that happens in openers and don't react to them um uh you know and so the fact that they you know they played better you know at home in their second game like that didn't surprise me a little bit um and and i i understood like vegas setting the line you know more close than you know than 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 people would have expected than a team you know that dropped to wyoming versus a team that put up 81 points in their opener it's just like well yeah oregon's not going to put up 81 points again and texas tech's not going to you know perform that badly again like yeah it's not yeah of course but like how the hell did vegas know that oregon was going to commit all those self-inflicted wounds you know because it's like because there were a lot of them man like you know there was a ton of penalties you know on oregon i'm not trying to like suggest a conspiracy here or anything but i mean like 14 penalties for i think like 142 yards like how how did Vegas know that was going to happen? Like, I mean, I'm, I did the film review on the game. There wasn't, you know, with some exceptions where the referees really do have to throw the flag. Like they're just like, there's no way they're not going to throw the flag on that, on, on that play. Uh, just about every flag that they throw is a judgment call. Um, there, every time the refs had an opportunity to throw a flag in this game on Oregon, they threw that flag, you know, like it was like it, it approached 100% of, you know, um, which I'm not, again, it's not a conspiracy or anything. That's their prerogative. If they want to throw hundred percent of flags that they could throw on Oregon, then, then fine. They, they can do that. Um, it, it, it's just that like, how did Vegas know they were going to do that? <laughs> you know, um, well, it was an Oregon team, you know, yeah, Oregon yeah. has a tendency to play down to its competition. You know, I, uh-huh. you know, I, 
there are a lot of people that became Oregon fans during the Chip Kelly days when we were just absolutely plowing through lesser competition. Um, and then we would get beat in close games if we got when we got beat. And then there were people that remember the good old days when we, you know, would have entire sections of Autzen Stadium that were just kids playing catch. And uh, I, I, I was one of those kids playing catch back in the day. <laughs> but we've we've certainly seen that over the years, especially since kind of the rise to prominence of the 2000, early 2000s through the Chip Kelly era, that Oregon will play down to competition. Um, and I, I, something that I hate about watching Oregon football, it's something that I've come to accept that, you know, there's, there's times when we're going to play Nevada and beat them by 70 points. And there are times we're going to play Nevada and beat them by 12. Um, and I, and it's my impression that it has absolutely less to do with the respective rosters and just how the te- how they come out mentally for that game. So, um, you know, and to touch on the penalties, there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of laundry on the field. There was a lot, you know, there's always the conspiracy theories. How did Vegas know? Well, they did get a PAC 12 officiating crew. Yeah. All right. So, I, I mean, there is nothing that Pac-12 officiating crews love doing more than throwing flags on Pac-12 teams. Like, yeah, especially Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the I mean, comment right my wife the... made. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I got to share the comment my wife made. It's like all these flags. What are we playing? Stanford? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they saw the they saw the red for Texas Tech, and they figured, oh, those... yep. Um, I mean, you're right about the the roster differential. I mean, I construct you know the roster database for Texas Tech with the same tools that I construct them for Oregon and all the other Pac-12 teams, and like it's easy for me to make comparisons. It's just like, yeah, Oregon's more talented team, and like that was honestly the reason why I wasn't really like panicking when I was watching the games. Just like, you know, like, and this was confirmed when I went back and did like film study of the game. Um, but it's like, you know, Oregon's outplaying them. I mean, they just are like they're, you know, for in, in every quadrant and every dimension, like they're, you know, Oregon is playing better football to Texas Tech. Um, and it's, you know, it's tight because Oregon's committing sort of unforced errors, you know, the, the penalties um, or unforced errors, you know, because they're not the type of penalties that there are certain penalties in football, like for example, holding flags, um, where it's like the, the, the offensive lineman commits holding because he got beat by the defensive lineman and he grabs him to keep the quarterback from taking a sack and maybe getting hurt or something like that. And there's a few other examples of that where it's like they're, they're actually in, in officiating mechanics nomenclature, they're called, uh, advantage fouls, um, because they are, you know, they're fouls that one team committed in order to gain an advantage and what you are the what you are uh, penalizing the team that did that for is to re- eliminate the unfair advantage that they gained so like you know but those aren't the types of fouls that Oregon was getting like a false start isn't an advantage you know or, or like you know that that for that that defensive pass interference that that Kyrie Jackson got like that dude there was no chance that that dude was going to catch that ball. Like Shuck overthrew that ball because he was under pressure because Oregon was getting pressure all night. Like Shuck overthrew that ball by like 20 yards, right? That that flag was thrown not because that was a catchable ball. That flag was thrown because Kyrie Jackson wasn't even coming close to playing the ball. He turned and put his back shoulder into the dude's chest. Like, I mean, they they called it as pass interference. They might as well have called it unnecessary roughness, you know, like very true. That I wish I played quarter back when I used to play football and I won't say what peewee league I'm talking about here, but um, if his head comes around, he, he picks that. No. Yeah. Like he actually, the ball like crossed behind him right before he made impact with the receiver. So he actually would have had a beauty of a pick if he'd turned and looked for it, but he was on, he was on an island. He's in no man's land. I don't, I don't think he was out of position. I think he was just, 
the, the corner no, of the he's, play. Yeah, he's coming over from... He's yeah. coming over to help someone who got beat or, you know, I think there was No, it's not. It's he. It, it's the, the other... The, the It was a flag route. The dude who was covering it was uh, the 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 nickel corner, um, uh, uh, Nico Reed. And, and actually what happens is that's an ineligible receiver. He had worked him to the sideline to the point where he had stepped out of bounds and the ref threw his hat. You know, honestly, I'm not sure that the play mechanically was officiated correctly. Um, uh, although if they had just thrown it as unnecessary roughness, it would have been, I would have been like, yep, that's correct. Um, but as like, but, but like, as defensive pass interference, I don't think it was a catchable ball and I don't think he was an eligible receiver. Um, anyway, uh, essentially Kyrie Jackson was acting as a safety on that play. He was coming over from the other side of the field. Um, the the Reed had already done his job by working that dude out of bounds and getting him to step out and becoming an ineligible receiver. Um, Anyway, I don't mean to to adjudicate the mechanics of that play merely to say it was a total self-inflicted wound like that was not going to be a completed pass. And it was on third and like 18. Oregon was off the field. Right. And there's like I could go through like every, all virtually every one of the penalties ever like dropped passes that they, they weren't dropped passes. You know, there were seven. I counted seven of them, seven of them, Kevin, seven dropped passes and not a single one of them was like, oh, it was tight coverage and like, oh, man the defense or like oh man the defense was right up in Bo Nix's grill and like it was a difficult pass to make you know and, and like Terrence uh, Ferguson he, had one he caught and start and just turned to run without yeah, exactly. remembering that, to bring the ball with him I mean <laughs> that one's in my article you know it's yeah. just like every, every every one of the passes it's it's Bo Nix has a clean pocket he throws a a, a properly placed ball and uh and or at least a catchable ball uh and the and the receiver you know does not have a defensive back who's like you know harrying him or making it difficult for him to catch it he just like he gets two hands on it and then it goes through those hands and it's like guys what you know and, yeah. and then like on another like seven plays or actually i think there's there's an overlap of two of them where like nicks imp- nicks puts the ball not exactly on target but it's still catchable and the receiver drops it so it's like so uh it's grand total of 12 plays between drops and nicks um uh, uh playing poorly uh, of which seven are drops seven are nicks playing poorly overlap of two hope Hope everybody's following the math there. Um, <laughs> anywho, um, on, on well, like none of those, off, like, do this math. on none of those twelve plays did the defense win. Did the defense have 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 jack shit to do with it? It was a hundred percent Oregon beating Oregon. Um, you know, e- either you know Nick's you know clean pocket, just like what are you doing, Bo? That's you know. Uh, it, which is bizarre because for like 13 games last year, we were, well, sorry, 12 games. We did watch him play against Georgia. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was just like, oh, hey, it's good Bo Nicks, you know, and uh, and these receivers are great receivers, you know, like they wrote up 81 points against you know Portland State. Like it was, a, you know, Troy Franklin dropping the ball. What the hell? You know, it's to, just be, like, to be fair that for half of that squad, that's that was their first second half action. Yeah, right. I mean, most of those players only played two quarters of football the first week. So, so like yeah. at least it, when it came to like the passing offense, um, you know, rushing offense sort of a different story. Uh, put put a pin in that for a second. But like, I, it's not like I was panicking because I was like, oh my god, Texas Tech is eating Oregon alive. What's going to happen when they get the conference play? Because like, this was Oregon committing, you know, self inflicted wounds in terms of you know, not being sharp in the passing game, committing penalties, you know, uh, or at least getting flagged for penalties. <laughs> I, I, I was, I wasn't and, gonna uh, say it, but you know, I, I do want to touch on that real quick. Cause I, I do always enjoy your film reviews and I was watching your, your little clips and, uh, there was a lot of holding, uh, up front, All right. you know, and I, what judgment calls judgment calls. There was, there was a lot of very long, very from the side or behind blocks um, that might've been holding calls. There were relative, there were very few holding calls in this game. 
either direction. So I guess it's just not uh, something they true. were looking at. There um, was also when it was either, I think it was Noah Whittington got grabbed by the top of his head, like around the top of his head and yeah. thrown out of bands that there was no flag for face mask. I mean, he grabbed the face mask. It wasn't like that's where his hand landed. He gripped his face mask and threw him out of bounds by his head right in front of the line judge and no flag. Yeah, appeared. And there was a, like, there was a pretty clear horse collar on uh, mm-hmm. Franklin, which I think is like the first clip in my article. Um, and it's just like, you can't do that anyway. Um, and there's, I mean, there's a bunch of others where like, there, look, I mean, they're touchdown in the third way. quarter where, like, the def- where the receiver threw the defender out of his way to get open. Yeah, like, there's, <laughs> there's, I guess I'll put it this way. Look, I like, I, like I said, I'm not interested in adjudicating like all these different things. They're all judgment calls and the refs are with, you know, it is their prerogative to throw them or not throw them. It's, it is simply and I, I am not suggesting a conspiracy here either. It is simply the, the case that Oregon got, you know, 14 penalties for 142 yards. Texas Tech had like six penalties for like 65 yards. Mm-hmm. And it is simply the case. Look, I watched the film. There's no disputing it. Um, that whenever the refs had an opportunity to throw a flag on Oregon, they threw a flag on Oregon, which is their prerogative. And it was not the case that every time they had an opportunity to throw the flag on Texas Tech, they threw the flag on Texas Tech. There were several times they had an opportunity to throw a flag on Texas Tech that they elected within their rights to not do so. And so, therefore, you know, the the, the penalty yardage was lopsided. Um, mm-hmm. You know, would it have been nice to have sort of now... And so it's like, look, it is undisputed. You know, just look at the box score. Oregon had like twice as many penalties and penalty yards as as Texas Tech. Was Oregon playing twice as much undisciplined football, you know, like as undisciplined as Texas Tech was? I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think the officiating was lopsided. Um, is that within the prerogative of the referees? Yes. Is that, you know, something that just happened? Look, look man, if you flip a coin, 10 times and and it comes up heads seven times like that doesn't mean that you're playing with a loaded coin you know like that just happens sometimes okay like and if you flip it a hundred times it's going to come up 50 50 you know like you just need a larger sample size and look later on in the season oregon's going to have a bunch of flags go their way and on our counterpart podcast for that team they're on tuesday or monday or whatever they're going to be screaming and crying and moaning about like oh my god the referees are in the bag for oregon you know like this is all going to even out at the end of the season the only reason that it's worth mentioning it all and it probably isn't frankly we're talking about this way too much uh the only reason it's worth talking about at all is that for anybody who's like how did oregon only win by eight against a team that just you know lost to wyoming part of it is hey there was a 65 or whatever it was yardage you know differential on penalties that's you know not something that's going to you know, probably happen again. Like there are a bunch of like, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there's a bunch of things like the lack of sharpness in the passing game. Um, And there's another factor, which I'm about to talk about in a second, which are like, these are non-replicable going forward. And so like, don't sweat it, man. And like there, there were things that I weren't really sweating during the game, you know, even though it was a tight game in which Oregon was behind by like nine points at one point. Um, It was just like, these are not replicable going forward. And so I'm not sweating it the way that like there were, there, there have been other times where I'm like, Oregon's getting killed in a way that like, this is a problem that's going to persist all year. And like, this makes me feel real, real bad. Like I wasn't, that's not what I was experiencing watching this game. Cause no. Yeah. I, I, I watched the game and, and you, you hit it. It was Oregon on Oregon violence. Like we yeah. were, we were in our own way and you know, it, I basically said it in the, in the recap that, you know, we overcame our own mistakes. You can talk about the officiating. You can talk about, you know, uh, drop, you know, the different things that contributed to it. But to me, the, you can't blame the other team or the officials for the procedural errors. You can't blame the officials or, the, you know, for the drop passes. We did this to ourselves. The thing that I come out of this with, like, the high hopes is, you know, we overcame all of those penalties, all of the things that were going wrong for us, you know, uh, some issues 
getting our line lined up, not, you know, we missed a few blocking assignments. We had a few of our offensive linemen getting in each other's way on some of their blocking oh, yeah. assignments. And we still came out with the win. You know? Yeah. You can get away with making those mistakes um, once. <laughs> you, you know, you well, do it. We get into the Pac-12 slate. We have six I mean, teams in the top 25 still on our schedule that we've got to go up against. And yeah, I don't know. I think a couple of those teams those. are sort of like aren't. I don't think that the Pac-12 is going to finish with like like eight ranked teams. Uh, <laughs> um, five. I think we'll finish with five. That's usually what we do. I, I think the Pac-12 is going to finish with four. Uh, like, I, I think a bunch of those teams are mirages, frankly. Um, the... Uh, the the or i don't know it's, it sort of depends on what the rest of the country does like you know like you can be like an eight win team and wind up getting ranked uh depending uh anyway the um the only the, fear the sec <laughs> here's what i learned like you know when i filled out my talent profile for texas tech like texas tech is about a mil- middle of the pack pack 12 team in terms of their talent profile and their success rates um you know like uh in oregon beating them means that you know, uh, in in a game in which Texas Tech has a lot going for them in terms of like, uh, you know, the, the home crowd really wanted it. They wanted revenge for that Wyoming game. There was the officiating thing that we mentioned um, there. You know, there's all the Oregon self-inflicted wounds like that was as close as Oregon's probably going to. And like early in the season before the offensive line is really the new offensive line has really come together. Um uh, and the the new playbook thing. Those the two more things that I want. There, there's three more things that I want to talk about in this game, and I will give a quick overview of them. They are offensive line gelling, uh, new playbook for Texas Tech, and uh, and uh, Oregon's pass defense. Um, uh, but anyway, just to finish the point that I was on. Um, you know, uh, Texas Tech represents a middle of the pack Pac-12 team. Um, they had a lot of things going for them um, in this game. Uh, they had uh, the, the, Tim DeRuiter is the best defensive coordinator that Oregon is going to play, um, uh, uh, barring, you know, uh, maybe Morgan Scally uh, at Utah. Um, they uh, uh, their two defensive tackles, uh, Bradley and Hutchings, are the best two pair of defensive tackles that Oregon is going to play um, for the rest of the year. Um that uh, home environment that, that so desperately wanted that win, you know, like Rice Eccles is a tough place to play, but like they're even they are not going to be as up for that game as uh, as, you know, Jones Stadium was. Uh, Oregon is probably knock on wood, not going to be committing so many ghastly self-inflicted wounds. You know, um, the the playbook thing that I'm about to talk about is probably not going to repeat. The offensive line is only going to get better knock on wood that they're not going to get more injured. Um, that would be the only way that they would get worse. Um, like. Uh, 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 officiating will knock on wood, not be so lopsided, you know, going forward, like uh, T- Tyler Shuck, um, you know, the, the, the wounded warrior, uh, or, you know, the, the guy who desperately wants revenge on his former team. Oregon's not going to be playing any former Oregon quarterbacks, uh, for the rest of the year, right? Like all of these factors, um, that, that, you know, that, uh, went into, you know, uh, 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 Texas tech sort of having, stuff going their way and and stuff going against you know Oregon and Oregon still you know wins and covers right on the road um against a team that if they were in the Pac-12 would be you know a middle tier power um in the Pac-12 uh and is probably the strongest opponent like at a conference Oregon played the best uh at a conference game that any Pac-12 team has played um, so far, yeah. Or, uh, well, I think, period. Like, well, yeah. Nobody's played Notre Dame yet. Um, I mean, yeah. when when Stanford and USC play Notre Dame, that'll be it. But they haven't played them yet. Um, but like week three, nobody's gonna pass them. Um, uh, anyway, like, yeah. Here's, here's man, a question for you: How do you think Texas Tech finishes in the Big Twelve this year? I'm not sure because I don't really, you know. Texas and Oklahoma were so weird last year and then Texas just beat Alabama. 
Um, and then TCU was the big 12 was the weirdest conference in America last year. And at which I like, I watched you know, uh, like uh, every big 12 team. Cause I watched all of Texas Tech's film and like, Oh my God, was that a crazy conference? Like <laughs> T- TCU was winning games by just like the total skin to their teeth, just like total monkey's paw type of team. Um, like Oklahoma was super badly coached. Like it was so weird watching Texas Tech's film. Cause they played them like at the end of the year, very, like very last game. And like I was watching all these different structural flaws in the way that TC or Texas Tech was um, constructed um, and like watching every Big 12 team, even teams like, you know, that were not good, like Kansas and Iowa State, like in uh, take advantage of them. And then Oklahoma wasn't taking advantage of them. like I had like 11 games of teams taking advantage of these flaws. And like I well, I was familiar as the back of my hand with how you take advantage of those flaws uh, against Texas Tech by the time I got to the Oklahoma game, you know, and then for Oklahoma just to be completely baffled about how you're supposed to play this team. It was just like this you know, Venable staff is just complete clown show. Um, but then, you know, they've come out and just, you know, run people off the field so far against inferior competition. So I don't know how that team's going to go. You know, Baylor, I, I don't like the way that Aranda's running that team. I don't like their offensive coordinator either, ever, even though everybody likes Jeff Grimes with me. I'm like the only person who who doesn't like Jeff Grimes. Is I, I'm like this lone voice of voice in the wilderness. Like, I, uh, boy, I could go on for a long time. Like, you shouldn't have asked me that question, man, because I could talk for like 10 minutes about how crazy the, the Big 12 is. Like I don't know. Um, it's I think one. Of, that- it's one of those conferences that someone could emerge. Like you could have four teams that all have one loss to each other, or everyone could finish with four losses. So here are the three things that I want to talk about. I guess I'll finish talking about Texas Tech um, before I go come back to Oregon. Like I said, I watched all of Texas Tech's film and then I watched the Wyoming game. And what I said on this podcast and on a couple other podcasts that I was on was that the thing that was bizarre about watching the Wyoming game was that having watched all the 2022 film was that the 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 week one 2023 film of Texas Tech was like watching a carbon copy of the 2022 film. And that's strange because teams aren't supposed to stay the same over an entire offseason, especially a team that went eight and five with a bunch where like three of their wins or, or no, four of their wins were by like three or four points, you know, like three of them were in overtime, you know, like they were an eight and five team by the skin of their teeth, like one ball bounce goes a different way. Like that team could have easily been a four win team. Um, like that, that was a substantially flawed team and it was very clear what their flaws were and how to exploit them. Um, and in fact, if you read my article, um, when they went back to their old playbook and which Oregon was super prepared for, which, you know, for anybody who thinks that like Tosh Lapoy doesn't, you know, know what he's doing and thinks this game is good evidence for that. I actually don't think that's true at all. Yeah. I mean, he may be a bad defensive coordinator, but this game isn't very good evidence for that proposition. And the reason is when Texas Tech did stuff that was old Texas Tech, like 2022 Texas Tech stuff, Oregon snapped them in half. Like Oregon was super ready for it. Um, like and it, the film was, oh, my God, super duper crystal clear. I had so much like tape about that but that was it was crazy how much the week one 2023 tape against wyoming was like carbon copy of 2022 and i was like it's so weird that they haven't made any changes despite the fact this is a super flawed team and so like on the podcast that i recorded with macon who's like a you know a texas tech dude like man it was like a therapy session with that dude like i I, like i had to grab the mic back from him several times because he was like bitching so bad about how this his team like didn't make any changes you know from the off season and like uh, and like, look, man, I've considered, you know, I always consider the possibility that a team would just like, oh, they've gotten like new plays, you know, un- under wraps for for the week two game. You know, like I, I certainly considered that possibility, but then I dismissed that possibility because why would they keep it under wraps through a double overtime loss to a G5 team? Like, no way, man, that, you know, they would have said, you know, by the time they started losing that game which like they spent a long time losing because they went up 17 to zero. As you mentioned, they went up 17 to zero and then spent the rest of that game losing that game. 
they would have taken the new playbook, you know, out, out from under wraps, right? Um, yeah. Like, you no way do they throw take... away your opener just yeah, for the sake of No way would the they season. take the loss if they had a new playbook ready to go. So I discarded that possibility. Well, the greater fool I, you know, don't I have egg on my face um, uh, for discarding that possibility? Because it turns out they did. Um, like they actually went to great lengths to consider to the extent, not only were they running plays out of the old playbook, but they were running, they were running like their same tendencies. They were showing that, you know, uh, uh, tendency sort of a, a complex thing to explain on a podcast, but I mean, like they, they could be running the same play, um, where they could, they could then run that play in multiple different ways, but they would choose to run it in the old fashioned way, which was not working for them against Wyoming just to maintain the veil and then lost. And I'm like, okay, you know, so then I write my whole article and then I, I post it to Reddit as I've been doing for like 10 years uh, and have all these Texas tech and I like ask Texas tech fans all these questions and like every Texas tech fan in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm, I got like hundreds of, I'm not joking about this. I got hundreds of comments. Um, all, all these Texas tech fans who were just like, Oh my God, you were a hundred percent. I didn't, I get, I got like no pushback, which is, I never get that right. Like I usually get pushback from fans who are just like, you jerk, you know, like what a blowhard you are. Right. I usually, you know, usually it's like 15 to 20% of the comments that I get on these articles are just like, you're a moron. Um, nope. I didn't get a single one. It was like a hundred percent. Like you're right, man. Like the, you, I'm so frustrated with this team, um, for all these, you know, these tendency problems. That's what they did, man. They, they they were so committed to maintaining the veil, you know, so then they break up all these new plays, which like that's what was going on in the first half and into sort of the, the, the first quarter or the, the, the first part of the third quarter. I mean, but then Oregon figures out how to shut them down. They, they shut down the, the, the quarterback runs. I have like video, like I have extensive video clips in my article of like, this is how they would configure and Oregon didn't quite know how to stop it. And then where they would line up in the same play, this is how they were stopping it. Like it was so it was actually a pleasure to write that that article that I posted this morning um, where it was just like, look, I can put them side by side or, or, or sequentially in my article where it's like, look, this is what they were doing in the first half and that Oregon didn't know what to do. And then this is what they were doing in the second half and they shut it down and and then so they stopped running it like, oh, you know, like or like this is how they would run the play in the old way when it would be a stop route. And here's how, you know, Jamal Hill would just, you know, get a, a pass breakup after pass breakup on it. And then here's the play in which they start showing the stop route. But then they, you know, he pushes off on Taishim Johnson and doesn't get flagged for it and then goes and runs a corner route to the, you know, the pylon and catches the touchdown catch. And, and Johnson's just like, what the hell just happened? Like that was never on film. Um, you know, like <laughs> it's it, how, how are you not prepared for the offensive pass interference? Come on. Yeah, dude, do that's your not really work. what I'm trying to, to, to point out though. What I'm trying <laughs> to point out is that Oregon was prepared because Wyoming or the Wyoming game set them up to be prepared for them to just continue the 2022 playbook. And so then when they broke out all new tendencies was just like oh, we weren't prepared for that you know like well of course they weren't like why would you know that that would be the opposite of good film study so anyway so but then they did adjust you know that was the other thing it was just like when i finished my film study it was like i was actually pretty encouraged by that so that's like the second thing that i want to talk about is actually oregon's past defense was pretty damn good in this game like you know the the stats over the entire game don't show it because it starts out badly because of the things that i mentioned uh you know the, the tendency breakers and the new playbook stuff but then once they adjust to it they essentially shut texas tech down um uh and, and like so yeah and then on top of that like yeah the, i mean a bunch of havoc plays like 39 percent of texas tech's dropbacks and in a sack scramble throwaway which is a fantastic havoc number um they 
four turnovers, dude, out of the passing game. You know, they 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 turned Shuck into the worst version of Shuck, not just like the normal bad late game version of Shuck, but like the really bad version. Um, and like Shuck was their hero in this game. Like Shuck was the best weapon that they had right up until he was the worst thing to happen to them. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, I was actually really encouraged by the defensive performance and the coverage was great. That was the other thing. Like it's kind of hard to notice, you know, because the actions all up in in the front, you know, with the, with the the rush, but like I try to point out these clips in my my articles, just like he doesn't have anywhere to throw the ball to. Like the coverage is doing really well here. Um, and like the only well, time you notice the coverage is when there's like a pass interference flag or something when there's a breakdown. So like if a hundred percent of what uh, of what you're paying attention to is the handful of breakdowns, then you're like, oh, they look like garbage. And it's only if you're doing like a comprehensive study that you're like oh, on 95% of the plays, the quarterback doesn't have anywhere to throw to because the coverage is great. Do you notice that the coverage is great, you know? Yeah, well, Shuck was their leading rusher for for Texas Tech. You know, he finished with 101 yards, um, 58 of it on one one run. But the reason he had their most rushing yards is because he couldn't couldn't push the ball downfield. He didn't have anywhere to go. Well... a part, part of that is scramble, but also part of it is design quarterback runs, but design quarterback runs, it, not just design quarterback runs, but the particular kind like quarterback counter and um, and then a different kind of um, the, their keep play was like they're just not in their playbook. Like just absent from their playbook in 2022, and it took Oregon a minute to figure out how to do it. And then there was this RPO play out of a diamond formation, um, which it's part of my article. You just have to read it to sort of explain what the difficulty was for how the 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 it's Oregon. It, it draws out. Um, the linebacker to help cover it. And so there's only a single linebacker in the box. And then that linebacker has to play to the weak side, not to the strong side. And at first that linebacker was playing to the strong side and the quarterback would run to the weak side, but then he figures it out and, and controls the play, Um, which is like, good. That's called a defensive adjustment, you know, hooray. And they shut it down. And then base and like their Texas techs last nine runs of the game designed runs only gained 36 yards, you know, four yards per carry. And one of those is for 17 yards because basically Oregon misses a tackle, which means, you know, eight of them are for like basically two yards. You know, they just completely have Texas Tech's, you know, designed run game shut down at the end of the game, you know, and that's what was killing them, you know, so they go from getting killed by the run to killing the run, it, you know, adjustments. Hooray. Last thing that I want to say about this game, which is to the extent that there's anything that is like, like sort of going forward for Oregon that is like concerning, it's their rushing performance. And uh, I guess there's a part A and a part B to this. Um, So this is like argument three, part A. Argument three, (laughs) part A is uh, that's sort of like uh, you know, uh, a, a tip of the cap, not uh, wag the finger, um, is that like, as I mentioned, Texas Tech has a really good pair of defensive tackles, and there's you, 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 you just can't run straight at them. Like a certain type of rushing play, you just can't run straight at them. And on several and plays, especially Oregon, not run three in a row. Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> And on certain plays, Oregon tried to run straight at him. And I was like, guys, this was the one thing I told you not to do. And I mean, I know they don't take their marching orders from me. Um, It'd be interesting if they did. But like, you know, anyway, like, I was just like, guys, what are you doing? On the other hand, like, they, they also, like a bunch of other run plays where like you get to use their aggression against them, sort of sort of wash them down in a certain way, like... Yeah, that's how you get really good run plays. And so they got a bunch of really good run plays doing exactly that. So I'm just like, okay, tip of, you know, tip of the hat for doing it the right way on those plays and then wagging my finger for doing it wrong on those other plays. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, and but but then here's the so like, that's still a question mark for me. Why did you not know that you couldn't do that? Maybe they were. But 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 maybe 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 I have an answer to that question, which is that maybe they were testing out the new offensive line which is finally at long last the, the the point that I wanted to make, which is this offensive line has some um, room for improvement. 
which really, you know, setting aside everything about Texas Tech, setting aside everything that we've moaned about, about, you know, Bo Nix and the receivers and the officiating and the tortillas and the playbook and the sandbagging and all of it, setting aside all of it, the offensive line. It's a new offensive line. We all knew that it was a new offensive line. It wasn't that new, you know, that, you know, several of them were starters on other teams or they got backup experience at Oregon, you know, et cetera. But like they do need some time to gel together. And that just hasn't quite happened yet. And across the board in run blocking, not in pass blocking In pass blocking, they were actually excellent. I have almost perfect pass protection grades for them, but in run blocking, mm, about 10 to 11% error rates for uh, all six of the dudes. They were rotating, um, at right guard. Um, uh, and like, that's just not, I mean, the Oregon standard is single digits, um, it, to, to be like best in the pack 12. And this was more like above average for the pack 12 average for the pack 12 is like 15% error rate. So like 10 to 11 is like above average, but it's not, you know, elite for Oregon, which is like five to 8%. Um, so it's We've like been spoiled with our offensive line. We I mean, Oregon fans have a hundred percent been spoiled ever since Steve Greatwood showed up, to, you know, 20 years ago or ever since really the Achilles Smith era. Um, or like, I mean, it's the reason why Oregon has, has more or less run the conference for 20 years. It's what's differentiated Oregon. It's why I freak out about the offensive line. It's why at the end of the 2019 season, at the end of the 2022 season, it's, you know, I went into total freak out mode about let's predict the offensive line of, you know, every single position, every single backup, like, cause that's it, man. Like, I want to know about Oregon's offensive line. It's freaks me out. And in what I have to report after this performance is yeah, this, 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 the step back is for real. Um, it's not a giant step back. Like it's still an above average line in run blocking, but for Oregon fans who had become accustomed to a rushing efficiencies in like the high sixties, low seventies, which are like otherworldly rushing efficiencies, like, for at least the next couple of weeks till like mid season when probably the gelling is going to happen. Um, you're probably going to have to expect like mid to high fifties instead, because you're going to see some run blocking technique errors. Now I think their actual like talent level is very high and I think their coaching is very good. And I think it's just a matter of them gelling and, and, and just sort of like coming together and fixing some technique errors. And I would still like rather have this line and what their potential is and what their mid season gelling, you know, what their final form is going to be. I would much rather have this line, frankly, than just about any other line in the Pac-12, probably any other line, frankly. Like they're, they're just like the composition here is just better. Um, but where they are right now at the end of week two in 2023, this is not the Rose Bowl offensive line. This is not, you know, the 2022 offensive line in terms of level of performance in the run game. And so like, yeah, that that kind of like, hey, they're only getting like four and a half yards per carry, not like seven yards per carry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that that well, is here, here's that my, is because here's, of the offensive line. <laughs> here's my my question related to that, you know, you talk about you take this offensive line versus any other one in, in the in the Pac twelve. And you're right, they're not the twenty twenty two, you know, Rose Bowl or not not Rose Bowl, you're not the Rose Bowl uh offensive line. Um, but yeah, you talked about, I think it, they the will eclipse that. The There's the talent level is definitely yeah. there. And I'd say the talent level is even higher. Cause you remember some of those amazing offensive lines that we had, they were two and three star development yeah. guys. Yeah. We weren't getting, I mean, like as a snapshot, I mean like the snapshot that I take of them right now compared yeah. to the snapshot that I would have taken in the Rose bowl or the snapshot that I would have taken, you know, uh, you, you know, at really any point during the 2022 season, the snapshot that I take of them at this exact moment in time. Yeah. They're not mm -hmm. as good as, as, as how those lines um, were at at th those points in time where the there's some projection offense. involved here, but where I project them even by maybe mid season will probably be better. Cause I think the talent level is better, but it's just the not other right big now. Thing, 
the other big thing that I do love about our offensive line, especially the composition, is I am not as worried about us losing a tackle or a guard and it completely derailing our offensive capabilities. You know, I've, I've seen it in the past where we, you know, we usually tried to have like six starter level quality linemen. Um, and then you'd have those people that were rotating and kind of these plug and play people. And then you've got a few people that could play any spot on the line. And, but if you, if someone went down, there would be this drop off to the backups that I, I yeah. don't see with this group. I, I mean, I, I definitely don't like <laughs> like contemplating the idea of it, but like, yeah, you're definitely right about the talent level where it's not like five dudes and then, oh my God, a cliff. It's like, yeah, it's more like, I think they run like 10 deep of playable guys. Mm-hmm. And, and um, guys that could compete. I and, mean, hell, the, the sixth guy <laughs> that they were rotating at right guard uh, is a true freshman, it, you know, Iapani Lalulu and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and those two guys, the rotating Steven Jones and, uh, the younger, uh, Lalu Ulu is, um, those are their, those are their backup options. That's because Nishad mm-hmm. Struther and, and Junior Angelau are, are, um, are, are a little dinged up still. Uh, sure. it, it will probably be the case, you know, bef- before the end of the year, maybe before the end of the month, that one of those two guys will be ready to play and we'll take, you know, that guy's spot or the, you know, Struther those two was at guys practice spot. this week. Struther yeah. was at practice this week and, you know, in cleats and in, not in a non-contact Jersey. So that'll, so, that'll be exciting to see. The other yeah. interesting fact about that is it's, uh, I'm not even going to try and m- butcher that gentleman's last name, but you have a true freshman and is, is Jones fifth year senior. Uh, he came in, I think the 2019 class, 2018 or 2019. Well, so, so he's, but you have a freshman and a senior. So there, there's something about the, the quality of recruiting that well, has evolved. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jones is a really highly recruited dude, but he's supposed to be playing tackle, but he's just apparently never worked out at tackle. He's really playing out of position at guard, frankly. Like, I mean, that's why a true freshman is rotating with him. It's not like a success story, frankly. It's <laughs> like, a uh boy you're the best we got steve uh yeah uh <laughs> um all right that, that should do it for this week uh, you got any parting words of wisdom first kevin um i i would love to just lay some smack on colorado in two weeks um mm. <laughs> i'll save that for the next one right. um <laughs> i i've know, been forced get, get out and watch film. the games I've been foisting off my film study on uh, on or the preliminary film study on uh, Stanford and Hawaii on uh, Tristan and uh, um, just to like because <laughs> those teams are jokes and uh, it just to be watching color. So I, like I'm already up on my Colorado um, versus Nebraska and TCU film. And because um, like I want to write a big article for that and maybe get some attention for the site because like, hey, man, why not? And uh well, Kevin, you might just get your wish. It should be a nice day uh, in Autzen Stadium. Um, uh, there, the weather report's looking good, but of course, it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>